Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. For us now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation, by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror? all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God, there is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his word out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence, by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is to this day. Know, therefore, today, and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that it you may prolong your days in the land your God is giving you for all time. Thank you, Brother Ian. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, today is a special day. I've said this during ABF, and today is the Schwartz and Truber Day. Um, my son said, Schwarzenegger isn't that the guy in the movies? And I said, no, that's Schwarzenegger. That's a different, <laughs> different group. Um, but to be honest, um, what you're going to hear today is more powerful than Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, in in reality, um, today is really special for us because today we have one of our own returning. And I just want to say something that for all of you who take time to teach the word to your children really matters. This person, Lindsay Beckwith, Lindsay Schwarzentruber, um, heard the word of God here for many years. She befriended other people who came to church here. She was part of the family, and she dedicated her life to Christ many years ago. And she has since gone out to the far reaches of Australia to share the gospel to others. And um, so for those of you who think that maybe it, it's, it's not easy, it's, it's not uh, something that maybe always is the most exciting thing on a cold Wednesday night, it's important to bring your kids to Sunday school and to teach them the word. Even if it's not here, it may be at home, but it, it does matter. Lindsay and Levi, um, they come to us from Australia, uh, Canberra, Canberra. Um, they are global partners who have been there for now 11 years. Is that right? 12 years. 
12 years. And so we're just so honored to have them here today and sharing uh, with us their story. And um, to us, it's a good example of when um, people talk about their life being in Christ, um, being lukewarm, or being all in. Um, these guys are all in. So we're just happy to have you here today. Um, at the end, I would pray for you. So. All right. Well, again, we are very glad to be here with you, and you may not know us if you've come in the last several years, since it's been four and a half years since the last time we were back here, if I have my math straight. But yeah, Lindsay and I, we've been in Canberra, Australia, working at the Australian National University with university students for a dozen years, and now we have three kids, Ron, Eliana, and Vanek. Ron's nine, Eliana's five, Vanek is a year and a half. They're having fun out the back, which gives us the ability to talk to you without as much interruption, which will be fun. But this morning, um, we'll spend a bit of time in the Bible. That's always a good thing to do on Sunday morning. Then we'll have a short video just about the ministry, giving you a picture of what's going on, and then Lindsay will share a few stories to wrap us up. So that's where we're going to go today. But first, we're going to get into the Bible, and we'll be looking at the Deuteronomy 4 passage that was just read for us. And as we do that, um, a few things for us to think about. Um, the, the, the overarching thought, I think, that's driving where I'm going today with Deuteronomy 4 is this idea of culture and in, in some ways, Lindsay and I can see culture a bit better, having gone from the Midwest to Australia, coming back here again. We see differences, we th see things that stand out to us, but there's a lot of similarity even then across culture, across Western culture by and large. And, and the problem is that we get immersed in our culture, and then we just don't see it. We, we find it so easy to adopt the values, the ideas, the ways of living of the people all around us. And that's one of the blessings of Scripture is that it acts as, as a barrier to that in the sense that it exposes and it confronts where we go astray, where we follow culture and realize, oh, wait a second, that's not how we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus. It points us back to the way God wants us to be. And so today, as we look at Deuteronomy 4, I want to highlight three ways that we're tempted to conform to the culture around us when God calls us to be different, to have his kind of culture instead. And, and I list these because they're challenges for all of us, but they're especially, I think, challenges for uni students, perhaps here, and especially at the ANU. Three challenges for us. And the first of those is that where our culture seeks experience, God calls us to believe. So culture around us is a culture that seeks personal experience to validate what is truth, what do I believe, what do I think. Where, as we look at our passage, 32 to 39, it comes out a few times that the point of what God is saying here, the first point is that you may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Uh, and, and the proof of that, he, he gives them a test. You can go 
anywhere across history, anywhere across the universe, you can ask anybody you want to. And the question is, has any God ever done what the Lord God has done? Here highlighting the Exodus story and what God did bringing his people out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, meeting with God at the mountain where God gave them the Ten Commandments and spoke to them. God says, has anybody else done that? And certainly the answer is no. God's the only one who ever did something like that because God's the only one true God. And, and certainly these people, they got to experience the exodus and meeting with God on the mountain and such. And that's now recorded in scripture for us so we can go back to Exodus and such and read those stories for ourselves. And in that sense, experience is good. We have a God who does enter into our world, who does meet with us and make himself known to us. But the danger comes in that we seek a similar sort of experience as proof for our personal belief. We say, well, God did all of that back in the Bible. That's great. But I want God to show up in my life now to prove that he's God. And until he does that, I'm not going to believe. That's, that's often a viewpoint that we run into. And, and we, we really make experience then our God rather than the word of God where God has made himself known. And certainly we have even better proof than they had back in Deuteronomy because we have the New Testament. We have what we've just celebrated, Christmas, where Jesus comes to live among us as God in the flesh, to die on our behalf, to rise again, and we're waiting for him to come back. And in that, we have the most convincing proof that God is God and there is no other. So God wants us to know that. God wants us to believe. We don't need the experience. Experience is great, and God often uses that, but our faith is based on what God has revealed and recorded for us, and so we live from that. And the next two points flow from this, down in verse 40, where culture says that self is the best and determines what is good. God calls us to obey. He says there at the start of verse 40, Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today. God, as God, rightfully demands and deserves our obedience, which, again, is something that's very unpopular in today's world, this idea of, of Christ being our Lord, not just our Savior, even for believers is an idea that we struggle with. We really like to be able to pick and choose what we have to obey or what we get to obey. And certainly culture is pushing against that all the time with the LGBT agenda and a lot of other things. It's saying, but, 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 surely that's not right. Surely we don't believe that. Surely God can't say that. And yet we read in the scripture that God says, obey because I am God when we can find lots of things that we would want to believe and put into scripture and lots of things we'd like to take out and we can often find somebody around somewhere online who can affirm what we want to believe but that doesn't make it right so that's one struggle we have is we'd like to pick and choose what to obey but often a deeper level to this struggle is is wrestling with the next part of that which i command you today that it may go well with you, 
is what God says. We often struggle to believe that. What, how it usually goes, in, in my experience, in the lives of our students, is we have to be able to reason or see in our own minds, how could this thing that God's telling me to do possibly be good or turn out well, have a good ending? If I can't see how that works out for good, if it doesn't seem good to me, then I'm not going to obey it because it can't possibly be good. We, in our own reasoning, try to sort out what's, what's good, what's not good, and we find it hard to believe that when God says it, it is for our good, no matter what. So God calls us to believe that he is God and to believe that as God, what he tells us is for our good. So we need to trust and obey as God leads us by his spirit through his word. And then one more that we see at the end of this verse, because he doesn't stop there. He says that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So where culture is self-focused, God calls us to broaden that perspective, to look beyond ourselves. What's in view here is, is their children, future generations for all time is in view here. So God's giving this instruction, not just for those Jewish people who had this, who are there as Moses was speaking to them these things, but this was to be passed on, to be passed down, and, and even unto us today, thousands of years later. So, so again, we run into a cultural clash here, where culture says that faith is your own thing. It's something private. It's just about you. It doesn't impact anybody else. Where it pulls away to look inside for truth. That's what culture tells us to do. Make self the center. Be inward focused. God calls us to do really the exact opposite of that. Because the truth is that our actions do impact others. And they are meant to impact others. We're meant to be in community with one another, just like this morning we see here, gathering together to care about others and, and to be about advancing God's kingdom here and in Australia and all over the world. That's what we're to be about. We're to have a perspective that's bigger than just ourselves. We're to be living for God's glory, which is something that's so much bigger than just living for ourselves, And so we have our three points here, where these three clashes of culture that we find in our text this morning, where we're, culture seeks experience, where to believe God, where our culture says that self is the boss. We know that God determines what is good and calls us to obey. And where our culture is self-focused, God calls us to look beyond ourselves so we'd like us just to reflect on this for a minute here and put it in question form instead. So this is for you to ponder, to take home, to think about. Is there any area in your life where you're waiting for an experience instead of taking God at his word? You know the right thing to do. You have a sense of what God wants you to do, but you're holding out for something more before you actually do it. Is there anything like that in your life that you need to sort out presently? Or perhaps you sense God calling you to obey something, 
even if you don't want to or you don't see how it can turn out well in the end? Is there any sort of situation like that in your life where, again, it takes a step of faith, of trusting that God knows what he's doing, what he's saying, and obeying in that sense? Or perhaps, is there an area where you've given in to the cultural lie that life is all about you, and that's everywhere in our culture around us, where we're living for yourself? Is there a way that you need to broaden what you're living for, to be investing in God's kingdom, in the people that God's put right around you in your life? Is there some step that you can take in that regard? So perhaps one of those questions resonates with you this morning. And if it does, I encourage you to take it home with you and, and take some action even today on that. But as we close up this Bible portion, let me just pray for us along these lines. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who makes yourself known, who has given us your word, especially that we might know you and follow you and love and obey you. And thank you, God, that you lead us in your ways for our good and for your glory. Would we walk in them even today? And Lord, we ask that even as we are immersed in the culture around us, that you would save us from that culture and draw us closer to yourself, that you would make us look more like Jesus each day. And we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we'll switch gears and have a video about the Iowa Statement, the ANU ministry. And yeah, I'm definitely back in the U.S. now. Um, about the ANU ministry, and in this video is largely just interviews with a number of the students and our staff helpers in the ministry, because it's good to hear stories from us, but it's a lot of fun for you, I hope, to hear directly from the people in the ministry what it's like, what's happening there. Hello. We're the Swartz Intruders. That's S-W-A-R-T-Z-E-N-T-R-U-B-E-R. Hi, I'm Luke. I'm the Canberra City Leader. Um, hi everybody, my name is Sky. And so I've been on staff for two years now. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever you watch this video. Hi, I'm Will. I'm the current president of the ANU Navigator Society. G'day, I'm Blake. Hi, I'm Isaac. Hey, my name is Richard. Hi all, um, my name is Wenjie. Hey, I'm Jingying. We are Rob and Emily. Hello, I'm Yening. And we're just going to share what uh, involvement looks like for us and how that this has helped us um, grow as people. I first got involved with the Navigators back when I was an undergraduate student. When a, a Navigator worker sat down with me and, and simply asked me the question, Luke, what do you believe? From then on, we met weekly and read the Bible together and my relationship with God became established and, and, and secure. Came involved with the Navigators through Luke Medina and Luke started discipling me. I got involved because I was invited by a member of my church. His name is Greg. I initially got involved with Mavs after Greg at the market fair got my number and just started inviting me around. It's a good bit of fun. Back in 2011, Lindsay found me on campus and she was very persistent in meeting with me. We started studying John. I gave my life 
to Jesus and she trained me in how to make disciples. And then in my third year, I started leading my own job study. Found NABS as mostly family reasons. Through my older brother who was there before me. By my mentor back in Melbourne. It was a market day and he invited me along to a games night on Friday and... We've been going ever since and we have come to faith and grown in faith from the Navigators community. Every week in this semester, we have Monday night in Lindsay and Lilibet's house. And learning about God and the gospel and how to apply it into real life, while also enjoying the free food. Huge congratulations to Lindsay for making so many meals for so many people every Monday. After the nice dinner, we read and discussed some chapters of the Bible and share our journey to Jesus with others. And I've enjoyed the talks from Levi, produced some good discussions. I'm quite a talkative person, so involvement to me is actively participating in the group discussions and sharing my opinions and uh, thoughts on the different Bible passages. And the talks on Monday nights always raise up interesting and um, challenging topics or questions in application. How to put God's word um, into work in our daily lives. Usually we also play games together after the Bible study. And a highlight of the now is definitely has to be the group activities we play, especially werewolf. That's always a good time. I've had some fun pillow fights with Ron and some eating competitions as well. The Monday night is a really a wonderful way to connect with others, believers, and it's a drink my faith. Taking part in um, women's Bible studies and women's workers group, being a part of the community there. Girls nights are easier for me to fellowship and to speak up. Men's Bible study, which happens every two weeks. Prayer morning to read Bible, confess our sins and pray for others. Participating in the working bee, which is going out into the community, helping with people in the garden who they have a need and they're unable to meet it themselves. We get to show Christ's love. It's also nice that we can be in it too. Generally have a fun time. I enjoy playing because it's fun. He said scissors and milk. Scissors and milk, I think that's about right. I learned that the apostles continued to spread the word of God. After Jesus' death, they shared teachings, preached, and making churches. The basics remain the same, investing my life in a few uh, open, teachable, available people uh, and, and help them to know Jesus and follow him. And that was when I gained a passion for one-on-one discipleship ministry. I found a lot of misunderstandings I guess I had with my relationship with Christ and I've been working on that and building a stronger foundation. How important one-on-one discipleship um, matters to your faith and how it helps you grow. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Levi and I have a one-on-one weekly meeting on campus to answer my questions from Bible reading and teach me how to introduce God to my friends. One thing I learned this year is making the gospel relatable. So for example, if someone's struggling with hope, need encouragement, you can focus on God's love and emphasize that aspect of the gospel. I still vividly remember this one Monday night talk on the book of Acts and the point being raised was that telling stories, whether that's from your own experiences or parables from the Bible, actually sometimes works better for sharing with people about God. could be easier for them to relate and that just blew my mind and I think it also helps me 
to be more sensitive of God's presence and the work that He has done and is doing in my life. I've grown in in patience and understanding, um, and I think particularly, uh, I feel like I think much more now about the needs of others. A new navigator group helped me know more about Him and strengthen my faith. We have grown so many strong connections with um, with people in fellowship that we consider them to be very close, like friends. Uh, all of the friends we have are like family at this rate. Yeah, I'm really grateful for Nevs, um, helping me growing in both the knowledge of the Bible and uh, living out the words. And they will help me to know more about Jesus and grow my faith. Thank you, Levi and Lindsay, and everyone involved for doing this. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Thanks. See you. If you have any questions, you can ask Levi and Lindsay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. We enjoy being here in Australia, where it's our job to get to help people enjoy Jesus. Come to see that Jesus is actually the most enjoyable thing in life. Well, we are glad we could share with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. students' faces, you know, I've watched that video a few times now, so it's fun to see them again. So we wanted to just share a few stories of some of the people that you saw on there, and um, kind of how they relate to some of the parts that Levi brought up in his um, talk of Deuteronomy. So firstly, he was talking about how um, God calls us not to follow culture in waiting for an experience, but just believing God at his word, that it's not our experience, which is um, the highest and needs to be validated, but what God says. So one guy um, who has done that is A, in the red shirt there across the bridge that was on a uh, bushwalk that we took kind of at the end of the semester. And um, A is actually from Myanmar. Uh, he would be, he came as a student, but um, I don't know if you know what's going on in Myanmar, but it's not a pretty place to be at the moment, so he's probably going to try and stay in Australia. But he came actually because he wanted to learn about Christianity. He had read some things, he had heard, and so when he could choose where he wanted to study, he chose actually to come to Australia, um, which is ironic because most Australians couldn't actually tell him about it, but he just knew nominally maybe this would be a good place. So when he showed up, uh, I think from from market day, and then he came to our house for a dinner. I sat next to him, and I remember saying, so tell me about yourself, you know, do you have a faith, what do you believe, etc." And he said, uh, no, like I have a Buddhist family, but I'm uh, interested in learning a bit more. And he had already read um, quite a few things, so um, he's very interested in philosophy and uh, thinking about things and so I had said, oh, well, have you read C.S. Lewis? Have you read any of these? And I started spotting these, and almost every time he said, yes, actually, I've read that. I thought, this is unusual. First-year student, he's from a Buddhist family. He's from Myanmar, and yet he's come already having read C.S. Lewis. <laughs> so I said, okay. So he, I, we ended up connecting him with Luke, um, who you saw earlier on the video. And they started reading the Bible together turns out that he had a lot of the information, but he didn't understand quite how the gospel all fit together. So through reading the Bible with Luke, um, through having the gospel explained to him, he realized that um, he needed Jesus in his life. 
but there was a bit of a pull because of all the information that he had before to say, no, there's got to be something more than just deciding that this is right. Uh, and so the temptation for him was to wait for some kind of experience, to have some kind of validation from, I don't know, an emotional high or something like that. But Luke encouraged him just to look at what God's word said to see if that is what God was working in his heart. And if so, then just to commit his life to him, not to, not to wait for anything. And A, very thoughtfully, um, very logically, as is characteristic of him, decided, I'm actually not going to wait. I'm just going to obey, and I'm going to start that way. And so he's starting his relationship with God. Um, this last semester, he gave his life to Christ, and he's starting really on the right foot, so to speak, because he um, is already considering the implications for his life because the step that he took in coming to faith was... God's word is going to be my foundation. And so if God's word says that, then that's what I'm going to do. So in a lot of ways, he's really got um, a wonderful start in his relationship with God. And that's what we hope a lot of others will do. And even maybe that he can lead the way with some of our Aussie students as he gets to know them. So then um, one of the other things that Levi mentioned was how we need to see Christ's lordship in our life as being kind of the controlling force of our lives, which is very unpopular. And uh, this is a story about Robin M., whom you also saw in the video. Um, they've just gotten married, which is wonderful. They got married uh, in October and in Scotland. Robert's actually Scottish, but he's been living in Australia for quite a while. He's immigrated. And um, they came to faith through the ministry a few years ago. So they both came as non-Christians. They were already engaged at the time. And after they came to Christ, we encouraged them that it, they should get married or live separately because they had been living together at um, Emily's family's home. That's really common in Australia. The students live with their parents at home. But it's also really common for the parents to encourage the students to live with their boyfriend or girlfriend at their home. So... Um, we encouraged them that that wasn't biblical, and so talked to them about that, etc. Um, and then they both said, yeah, we think that that's right. We see from Scripture how we actually need to be separate until we are married um, or just go ahead and get married. So their answer was, let's go ahead and get married. So happens to be that then we were able to set them up with someone who was willing to marry them, had you know worked through everything. But when... Emily's parents found out about this. They said, what is this? And who is, who is telling you to move up the wedding date? Because um, it wasn't for like another two years. Um, and they said, oh, well, uh, Levi and Lindsay, you know, but, but really it's we see it from the word of God and we're working through this. And it's interesting because they said, um, this is not, it's not the Bible, this is a cult. Um, and so <laughs> we, and we, this actually not the first time we've encountered this of parents telling their children that we are a cult and they should have nothing to do with us. So because the conservative view that we take of interpreting scripture is so countercultural that it seems cultish uh, to the Australian culture around us. Um, so we talked with them, um, found that they were encountering considerable pushback from Im's parents, and they said, oh, look, we don't think we can go through with the wedding. And we said, it seems like there's a kind of a choice you have to make between the two. And unfortunately, they chose just to follow what her parents were saying, who are not believers, um, who were discouraging them. And they said, no, it's better that you wait two years and you have a big wedding at a cathedral rather than get married now and 
don't move out. So um, we walked with them, wrestled through this for a while, but they ended up just deciding that, no, they're going to wait for another two years. So it's one of those situations where we saw the pull that there is to believe what society says about your own self being the boss as opposed to God being the boss. And we also saw it really hurt their faith and a lot of um, backsliding from that. And we kept walking with them through that. And again, God is faithful. And so we trust that he'll work through those growing pains as they walk with him. But um, that's, yeah, another example of what we encounter frequently. And then Greg is an example of the third point that Levi was making, where he was saying that our even walk with God and obedience to him isn't just self-focused. It's not just about us. It's about what God wants to do through us for his glory. Um, you know, it's, we want to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And Greg is one of those who came through the ministry earlier and then went away uh, into the workforce for a few years, got married, and then actually to the, the blonde girl that's on the table sitting there. Um, but then he came back and he saw that what he wanted to do and he wanted to do well was invest his life in other people for God's glory. He doesn't know what the uh, trajectory will be in his life or what that actually means, but he wants to make disciples. He's seen the impact that someone meeting with him every week and reading the Bible with him has had on his life, and he wants to do that with others. So we see him actually, he's working with the apprenticeship with us um, part-time, and two days a week, I think it is. He's two now. And um, the other days of the week, he has actually two other jobs that he's working on, but he's willing to have that commitment. And in Australia, um, it actually does take something. It's one thing for us. We come back here and people are like, oh, you're missionaries. We're so glad to have you and tell stories about me and my childhood and how I was willing to give my life to God. Thanks, Larry. You paint me in a really good light. <laughs> but it's not like that in Australia. People just say, why don't you get a real job? Like, what are you doing? And so they encounter really a lot of that, and that's what Greg has done. But because for him, it's not about what he wants, it's about what God wants. This happens to be the way that God is leading him. And who knows if he stays in ministry. That's not our, our goal. Our goal is just that he stays walking with God and letting God be the Lord of his life. So those are some things that um, we've really been uh, working with in the students and illustrate his points. Thanks for those stories, Lindsay. And certainly there are more we could talk about, but we just wanted to wrap up this morning by saying thank you to all of you because of your partnership with, it, with us in the gospel. And we do see it very much as a partnership, sharing together in what God's doing. There's fruit in Australia, and we're able to be there on the ground with these students. So thank you very much for your partnership. Well, at this time, I'd like to pray with you, and um, we're just thankful for your sharing and giving us a better understanding of your daily lives, and uh, kind of getting us acquainted with you again, because it's been a while, and, and um, we just want you to know that we do not forget you, even though you're a long ways away. So uh, let's bow our heads in prayer together. Father... Uh, it's, it's just amazing to see people like this that have a life so far away from us, but yet they're continuing to focus all of their energy and their time on your truth and on, on your words. Lord, we know that these things are not easy in this world because of the social pressures all around us, the cultural changes, 
but yet your truths continue to be strong. Your truths continue to be firm. Lord, our, our minds um, sometimes can get away from that when we're not in the word. And as Don said last week, read the Bible, read the words, and then live the words and actually make an effort to continue to know more about who you are and how you guide our lives. Help Lindsay and, and Levi continue in their journey in Australia with navigators and others that may come before them. Lord, we know that each story is, is unique, but we know you are the ones that have plans for these individuals. Lord, we also know you have plans for each one of us and make it clear in our hearts what those plans are in this coming year. Lord, we're just so thankful for them, for navigators, and for all of our global partners. Father, we thank you and praise you in your son's name. Amen.